0: Do this. All right. Welcome, everyone. This is another episode of That Record Got Me. Hi, I'm your host, Rob Elba. Yeah, I sound kind of funny. I have a cold, I guess. I, like I was telling Og, uh, I almost had a cancel on him because I just was not feeling good. But I think I just have a cold, but I'm all right. I'm going to soldier through it because that's uh, that's that's how we roll here on That Record that's Got what Me. That's what David a. Roth would do. Yes. So <laughs> I'd like to welcome a uh, writer, musician, comedian. He's the author of Nick Cave's Bar and Off License to Kill. And his work has appeared in The Quietest, Under the Radar, The Comics Journal, Red Bull Music Academy, Shindig, and The Big Takeover, our friend uh, Jack Rabbit, and many others. His latest book, The Ballad of a Buttery Cake-Ass, it's, it's out now, and it's been described uh, by comedian rocker Dave Hill as like being taken on a rock and roll road trip by Holden Caulfield with a head injury in the best of ways. And that's good. I mean, uh, you must have really loved that when he said that, because that is good. I did. I was really psyched. And that is intriguing. Yeah. I'm, I'm not going to lie. I've been reading this book. This is a strange book, but it's really good, and I'm really enjoying it. But, man, it is It is weird. Um. So, yeah, The Ballad of yeah. Buttery Cake Ass. It follows uh, there's two friends that sort of get obsessed about this mythical band they've heard about called Buttery Cake Ass, and they go on. Um, and and so, you know, uh, in the one hand, I, uh, I it's about people that you know love collecting record and 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 like get uh, excited with the idea of something that they've you know that no one's heard and that they could unearth and find. But something I really enjoyed, it's also really about uh, bands, like young people getting bands, and like you know when you get bands and you and they like. Sp- take forever trying to come up with their name and then their logos. And it's just like all this ridiculous stuff that people shouldn't worry about, but they do. And that becomes like the main thing so uh yeah yeah that's really great
1: i was surprised how much of my real life went into a book called the ballad of buttery cake ass yeah okay
0: so so all my early uh, bands yeah yeah, you've uh, played in bands right oh yeah yeah so you grew (laughs) up playing in bands yeah so that's one thing that's one thing that you have to sort of go through i feel like or else you're not uh, to really realize how um ridiculous it is and and it's good I, i i feel like the album which by the way the album i'll pick to talk about not something people uh that are fans of this show would normally think it would be a record we do just because i I don't know you know we usually do edgier uh you know edgier things maybe not so popular things although but we have done that too but i feel like in reading your book it all kind of makes sense but uh so what are we talking about what's the album we're talking about
1: we're talking about van halen's 1984 and you're right there are so many records like you know that record got me high i mean it's one of the big reasons i listen to music is to get that sort of feeling from and like this you know as soon as we were emailing I and mean, you offered me to come on like 10 records immediately get of up course, in my head yeah, yeah. But, like van halen were like my first love like when i, I was eight years old when 1984 came out oh really it okay perfect. it was so exciting like and then you know it was just this feeling of euphoria every time i would come on the radio or my older cousins would be playing it and it's just a record that i i have always loved so i thought it would be good yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. And, and and I don't want you to take this the wrong way, but in thinking about David Lee Roth, I'm thinking, man, David Lee Roth would be great if, if, if you had an audio book like him reading this book. That would be awesome. Because, because, totally. Yeah, because there's so much... Bonkers uh, stuff. That, you know, when, when you hear interviews with him, he's just off, you know, he's got, uh, he's off on different tangents, and that's kind of like what goes on in in the book, too, which is really great.
1: I got to tell you, David Lee Roth reading my book as an audiobook would be just like the greatest. It would be the
0: greatest thing ever,
1: right? Yeah. My eight-year-old self would just be, you know, ecstatic about that.
0: All right. So you're, uh, okay, so you got into them young, but you were, yeah, see, I have a different uh, because I'm older. I'm obviously older than you, so... When I I graduated high school in '81, so in the late '70s there was Van Halen, but I was already getting into punk and the Ramones and things like that. But every but most everyone in my school were into Van Halen. I mean, just Van Halen were it. It was the shit. It, it almost became a thing with me. Well, no, uh, that's not my thing. You know, I'm I'm into this other kind of music now, and that's not my thing. And then, but over the years, I've obviously learned to appreciate them and appreciate what they've done. Uh, this album's crazy in that it was huge. And how many bands you have to really hate each other in a band to put out a monster huge record and then just quit? You know, uh, David Lee Ross said, "That's it." I'm out afterwards, right? <laughs> have you, uh, have
1: old monks run with the devil uh, his autobiography about managing them? Oh yes, yes, it, it,
0: it's great, it's great. Oh my God, that it's so eye opening. Yeah, to, you know. it, and it's like, and it's like hor- it, It's, it's like horrible. I feel bad, but uh, you know, at the end of the day, it probably what made them so great was that conflict, you know, you had uh, Van Halen brothers and you had Eddie Van Halen and then you had someone like the polar opposites people that should never be in a band together. Right. (laughs) Uh, Are you a Julian Cope fan? Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely.
1: His website. I mean, I love the stuff he writes on his website. He did something about records and he had a great line on that. He said, um, if anything, their issue was they had two shaman who were also showmen.
0: Which oh, I think okay. really
1: somebody you know, right, 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 personalities who are you know, just so extreme and, you know as to what they do, but um,
0: yeah, yeah. But um, whenever you know, obviously I'm listening to this, and these are songs, most of them that I've heard you know so many times, that like you can't get away. Especially in the '80s when MTV came out, these videos, the, the classic videos for like Jump and Panama and Hopper Teacher. But I'm always blown away when I listen, and then you listen to, especially uh, Eddie and Alex, just them playing together and and how yeah. they play off each other. And that's something, you know, I feel like brother. They had such a, a connection, and they're, and and they're great. I mean, obviously, it's it's dumb to say oh Eddie was a great guitar player, but <laughs> but <laughs> Alex was such a good drummer and so musical, right? it?
1: It took me to literally, I think. It's past year, when I finally was sat down and was listening, I was like, "You know, Alex is a great drummer. Like his style, style is so distinctive. I'm not sure it would have worked with any other band, right? But right. he and Eddie just sort of lock in together, and it's you can't imagine them with
0: anyone else. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, and uh, all right. So it reached uh, number two on the Billboard 200 album chart and remained there for five weeks, behind Michael Jackson's Thriller, on which uh, guitarist Eddie Van Halen made a guest uh, appearance on. <laughs> 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 around that time that was the time you know for Van Halen and then but like i said then it was the last one with uh, uh David Lee Roth and he left the band in 1985 uh creative differences do you remember where you were when you found out that he left the band like <laughs> you i'm like sure a, you
1: do right <laughs> it's like a jfk sort of thing like Is all it? my friends like have a story and it's oh, usually you know okay. you're in third grade and someone told you like It was not a big deal to me. I'm I'm gonna be honest. It wasn't a big deal. (laughs) For for me, who would like that's you know, I was eight years old, that's really all I knew. Like this was entertainment. It was huge. Right. And I was like, well, how does how does that work? How could David Lee Roth how could he leave a band? Exactly. This yeah, no, it's he-
0: true, though. Yeah, it's true. How did you leave the biggest rock band in the world, basically? And he's such an integral part and just, yeah, left. And then he did those dumb solo records, which I don't know. And what do you, all right, so what's your opinion of the Sammy Hager Van Hager?
1: It's different. I, I I refer to it as Van Hager as lots of people do. It, it is completely different. I really love 5150 because, again, I was of that age. Right. And you yeah. know, the United Smile and Fifty One Fifty came out and there's just all that excitement around it. And there's some great songs on fifty one fifty, but it's completely different. You know, it's, yeah, it's yeah. yeah. I won't I won't compare it. I mean obviously I love the the raw stuff better, but um Right,
2: right, right.
1: I still listen to fifty one fifty. OU eight one two hasn't really held up in my opinion. I, I really love Top of the World off um for Unlawful Connor Knowledge, which is you know, he took that riff at the end of Jump, and like for years, I was you know he's playing it behind the outro. Oh, that's right, that, that's, that's
0: like jump. outro and, g- uh, guitar riff. Yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah.
1: And no, one was like, no one was like, no, it's not. Was like, Listen closely, that's the exact same thing he's playing at the end of Jump.
0: Yeah, it, it, it's funny, um, Eddie, and and like so, this album, uh, a bone of contention was he started playing keyboard on it, and yeah. he, Eddie, as great a musician he is. He loves playing these cheesy sounding keyboards. Like it just, (laughs) (laughs) he just just loves it. And um, it's, you know, and it's very dated sounding, you know, it's very uh, 80s sounding. But when you listen to what he's playing and the musicality, and they're great. I mean, they were just, uh, David Lee Roth was great at putting melodies onto these weird songs because they are kind of weird, weirdly structured, you know? In, in a lot of ways. But he, he, he would always find, like, the little uh, pop hook uh, to put into the song. It's amazing.
1: Like, and you never hear him talk about, like, his creative process at all. And yet he's written these, you know, mega hits, so right. many of them. Well, I, has, like, yeah, nothing I guess to say he said, that.
0: <laughs> I, I think half the time he's full of shit anyway. He said, oh, he's riding in the car and, he, you know, with the top yeah. down he does it. <laughs> Who knows if he's really doing that. But
1: <laughs> I remember an interview when, uh, remember the Sam and Dave tour in, uh, like, 2002 when he and Sammy Hager went out yes, yes. together. And there's an interview around then where Roth was quoted as saying, "I've written more hits than Beethoven." Yes, you know what Beethoven, you know, <laughs> da, da da da, and it's like.
0: Well, he has a pretty way of putting it. All right, so let's get into the record. It opens up with the instrumental "1984" again with the cheesy uh, keyboards. It's it, it's short. I'll I'll play it underneath, but it goes into, of course, uh, "Jump," which was Van Halen's uh, first number one hit in America. And I didn't realize this this was their only number one with uh, David uh, Lee Roth singing. Uh, I guess that makes sense. Wow. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, crazy to think about it, but I just remember, you remember when it came out and then and they did this really great low-budget video, which was brilliant because at the time these bands were doing these giant production things and they just did these really low-budget low, low budget videos them just goofing around playing with a couple of cameras. And uh, it, it was great. It was perfect.
1: Especially coming off the Pretty Woman video, which is just so bizarre. Yes,
0: yes, it is. <laughs> yeah, there, there's a lot of uh, bizarreness in the Van Halen canon, for sure. Which I guess you're drawn, you were drawn to, obviously reading uh, your uh, <laughs> your book. Well, the thing is, I didn't
1: realize how strange it was until later. You know, like right, it was just right. how the world worked.
0: <laughs> yep. All right, let's, let's do a little bit of jump. I mean, just a, a complete hit, you know, you hear that immediately and you know, that's going to be a massive hit song.
1: Yeah. And it's just weird too, like the subject matter, not that you should really read too much in a Ross lyrics, but yes,
0: the idea of just <laughs> might as well
1: jump, <laughs> like, you know.
0: Right. Yeah. Well, supposedly I thing? did read, he was watching like a news thing and some guy was like threatening to jump off a building so like that. And he was thinking, oh, might as well just jump, you know. Oh, wow. That's yeah, dark. so dark like a little <laughs> a little a little darkness in there but yeah even listening to this now uh, again, with um, Alex Van Halen. It, it's funny, the episode before this one, we did the Breeders pod, and we were talking about the drummer on there, Britt Walford, and how he's just got this way to play in the pocket and the way he just hits his kick and his snare. And it's like, that's that's what we were saying. You could put uh, completely different drummers in the studio playing the same kit, but it'll sound totally different because of how they play. And that's something yeah. with Alex. That's just something he has this, this like, muscular way of, like, playing in the pocket and then just playing with uh, Eddie. That's just great. Yeah, and you you mentioned,
1: you said muscular. I read that, um, there's a book that just came out. I forget who wrote it. It was somebody who was at Guitar World. Um, but it's, it's called eruption is conversations with Eddie over the years. And it's, it's a fantastic read. And Eddie talks about, cause they'd be so drunk, like playing the electronic drums. They did serious harm to their like arms because oh, they'd be hitting the electronic drums so hard and there's no give on those, you oh, know, but i right, right, have right. had like a six pack already and just couldn't feel it. Oh my God. Wow.
0: (laughs) Yeah, those guys definitely uh, did some damage uh, to themselves. They were uh, (laughs) they were as hard a parting band as you could uh, imagine. Imagine. Yeah. But it worked for a while. It worked. Um, All right. So uh, Panama, a country in Central America, but obviously that's not about this at all. Did you read (laughs) that he, that he said it's about a stripper named Panama? No, I didn't know that. Okay, ah. yeah, I guess he did an interview on Howard Stern or something. But like I said, who knows when David Lee Ross says stuff, who knows if, how much of it is true or if he just, well, you know. I clearly
1: him. remember as like part of the whole excitement about it when Panama came out, like being at my grandmother's kitchen table with all my older cousins who were all, you know, I was eight and they were all like 16. Um, and then everyone discussing what is this about? And my cousin Mike saying, oh, I think it's about a car, you know, which like made sense. But then right, I was like, right. well, why is it called Panama? Like, <laughs> 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 <laughs>
2: all
0: right, let's listen to a little bit of Panama. So oh, yeah, David Lee Roth definitely just doing like free association lyrics, you know, but that's, uh, th- this is some of the lyrics. I love stuff like this where it just sounds good. It doesn't matter yeah. even what he's saying or anything because it just sounds really good, you know?
1: Yeah. And he says that in the Crazy from the Heat book too, that, you know, it's really more about the delivery, like that line from everybody wants some in the second verse, uh, something you know send a line that he says moopy at the end of it what's the exact line but you know what i'm talking about from uh everybody wants it's like a total nonsense line which, right, you know, right right of course right. everybody talked about it at school but you know that's what has stuck you know with everyone through the <laughs> decades like
0: all right so you were uh, you were a big uh, van halen fan but i can tell from your book eventually you got into all different other kind of music and you definitely mention like in in your book uh there's just uh there's all different references or magazine and the buzzcocks and i I love how there how there's this mythical ramones uh, free jazz record out there
1: (laughs) i was very pleased when i came up with that idea because i can't imagine two styles being more yeah yeah
0: but so do you like later on get into other kind of music and uh, punk music
1: oh yeah um Hearing the Sex Pistols in seventh grade was again like another you know, life changing moment. Right, I then right. immediately got into the Ramones, the Clash, and the Damned. You know, basically what I could find. Right. At the the record store at the mall.
0: <laughs> right.
2: But,
1: but yeah, I but, love all that stuff. But you didn't
0: you didn't give up on Van Halen and going to the other things. Oh, oh, they kind of like came
1: in and out of my life. Like I remember, like for Unlawful Connor Knowledge came out my freshman year of high school. And so it was exciting to hear like a new Van Halen thing. But by then I had our, I was really into, I got into the Smiths as well. The were
2: silent. There was nothing nothing around for mine. I dashed
1: a friend adventure. In eighth grade, so it was like sort of punk, and it started getting into underground British pop. And then in my early twenties, I was playing in a, a synth pop band in Boston and it sounded very Duran Duranny. Oh really? Um, and I yeah, <laughs> and I remember um, just one time like hearing Unchained and being like, I had not listened to them in years. I was like, Oh yeah, I love this. Yeah and, right like, right yeah.
0: <laughs> All right, so we got uh, Top Jimmy. Um, I guess I, I learned stuff reading. I guess David Lee Roth would pull up would go to this bar called Zero Zero in downtown Hollywood, and uh, he would sort of just go and there uh, there was this R and B band called Top Jimmy. And the rhythm pigs that uh, uh, that had formed in the seventies and we're still playing there. So that's kinda like what this one's about. But music uh, music's yeah, great I... in this one. It's just
1: yeah, intro is so weird too, with uh, moving really.
0: So good at like uh, dialing things back, you know, dialing back and playing with the uh, uh, dynamics and like so good. And yeah. you could, you could tell they're just doing this in the studio, basically live in the studio. I love how when you listen to this album, you realize he's not overdubbing guitars that much. It's mainly nope. just him playing <laughs> through the song.
1: Yeah. It's incredible.
0: It is. It's like, incredible.
1: That whole thing, like on the first record, there were two overdubs and they were just rhythm tracks behind the solo. Right, right, but- right.
0: Yeah. Really amazing. And, and that, and uh, That's the thing with Van Halen. You had, you know, you you had the Eddie and Alex things, them locked in. And you can't can't take away from Michael Anthony because his backup, that backup singing that he does, it was a big part of their sound. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And, and, you know, I I guess it was kind of shitty at the end when. But you know what? I understand it because I feel like Eddie Van Halen was all about family. You know, his yep. family. And then when he got a chance when he could play with his son and his band, he's gonna do it. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I really can't blame him. I, I don't know. I, I can't give him shit for that because you could tell that's that was the most important thing for him.
1: Oh yeah,
0: totally family. Yep. All right. So like like you said, we're not listening you're not listening to uh Van Halen records for deep lyrical um <laughs> <Insights>. you know <laughs> You're just not, and drop dead legs. But still, the music. Once again, the music in this one is just uh, off the charts. It's starts. one
1: of my favorite pieces of all time. Just, I love his tone and yes. that. That just the the chord sequence is just so cool. It like, is t- stayed it, with me forever. Like, yep,
0: it's really cool. So Listen to a little bit of drop dead legs. <laughs> Cool. yeah <laughs> yeah that's great so i was gonna ask you van halen is not the kind of band like like a, a big part of your book the about of buttery cake ass are these kids that that collect albums and collect records and go and find these record stores and stuff but van halen is not the kind of band like there there, there aren't like these little lost no. van halen records i don't think are there
1: no it, that's that's always been so disappointing to me that they're like you could get everything they ever did so easily. There were no like B-sides that you had right, to seek right, out yeah. even. And and there
0: weren't um, there outtakes. Even I heard like this, like there weren't outtakes from this, like from this album. There weren't outtakes that they could use later or anything, or at least there I isn't know. anything that's out there.
1: I, and I really wish there was. Have you seen uh, The Wildlife, that film uh, with Chris Penn that Eddie did the soundtrack for?
0: Oh, okay. Around no, this no. time.
1: The music from that is very much sort of like this drop dead legs. Like at the, the, um, oh, okay. the end. It's very cool music. I wish there was like an official soundtrack. But, right. You know, I would just, Eddie supposedly has like, what, like thousands of hours of, you know, music that he recorded in his studio in the many years they weren't doing anything.
0: Yeah. I can believe that. I can, that that. I can totally nice. see that. So you, um, but uh, so aside from Van Halen, are you a... Record guy though? Are you a record guy that'll go to a record store and pick up records and stuff? Or yes, is that, your, yes. that is your thing.
1: Okay, you are. I, Yeah, I, I love collecting, and I recently got, got a bit uh, back more into it. I did a, I went to a record convention a couple of weeks ago, thinking it would be a good place to sell the book and like promote, saying yeah, there'd yeah. be all obsessive record collectors there. And I was just like looking around, I was like, oh, oh yeah, yeah, I remember how much I love doing this, and I just started buying records. Oh yeah. no, okay. <laughs>
0: Didn't find that Free Jazz Ramones, though, right? still still looking for that, that. one. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so Hot for Teacher. This is the one. This is the one. It's so ridiculous. It's just such a ridiculous (laughs) song. But musically, it just kicks so much ass. Like the opening with the drums and the guitar. It's unbelievable. You listen to it, and it's like every time I, I just really sit down and listen to it, my jaw just drops.
1: Yeah. It's incredible. And and then that riff, like that boogie riff is just so damn cool as well. Like it just it's rocks like the whole thing.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's unbelievable. All right, let's listen to Happy
2: Just gonna look like this here. <laughs>
0: Uh, drops down for the verses. And he's so good. You could tell he's, he's not, they're not doing the studio where they're, you know, like I said, he's going to uh, punch in another guitar set differently. He's just playing with the volume knob right there in the yeah, studio yep. while he's doing it. <laughs> that is so unbelievable. Yeah. I love that. Like
1: yeah, my, one of my guitar lessons where I learned how he would do it, like control it with his pinky. Yes. Yeah, uh, right. As he was playing. It. It's so cool. <laughs> it is.
0: It's really cool. And, uh, yeah. I
1: enjoyed your um, episode about Fair Warning, by the way.
0: Oh, yeah. With uh, Juan Montoya. Yeah. Which is probably one of the interesting... I would say it's one of the most interesting Van Halen albums, I think, they're warning. Yeah, and there's that
1: weird thing. I don't think you brought up it on So This Is Love, where they actually just manually turn the bass down. Like, it starts off, like, really bass-heavy, Oh then right. all of a sudden, right, right. the bass sort of fades low. It's like, that's such a weird decision to make. Yep, yep.
0: Yeah. It, well, yeah, there was, weird, there was a lot of weirdness going on. Remember, we were in the making of that, where Eddie would sort of go in at night and, like, yep. redo stuff. And, of course, <laughs> uh, <there was> something... <laughs> a bunch of characters. All right, so I did not know this song, I'll Wait, which is a very, it's a very poppy-sounding Van Halen song. But did you know who they co-wrote the song with?
1: I did, Michael McDonald. Yes! yeah it's
0: <laughs> which is weird because
1: he also wasn't credited on like I don't think the version the nineteen eighty four vinyl I have that I got when it came out has him credited. And I know it happened later, like and it kind of went back and forth with the credits, so it was kind of weird. I didn't find this out until like maybe seven or eight years ago that it was him.
0: Yeah, right. So Michael McDonald, and it's funny. I read a really great quote. Yeah, because you're right. Eventually, because one thing uh, um, Van Halen did, which was cool, was that they divided the songwriting credit. They basically just had it by four, four songs, yeah. four songwriters. So he was. He, they divided by five. He was like the fifth one. Eventually, he got. Reddit. But he said, he said just just to show how much bigger Van Halen was than my band, I made more money being one fifth of the writer of that one song than I did on the whole Doobie Brothers album we did that same time. Wow, I didn't know that. Jeez. <laughs> um. Yeah, but it's uh. Yeah, it's a it's a good song. Like I said, very poppy, and I just yeah, I would have never guessed Michael McDonald was involved. Let's listen. To that. Yeah, I know, right. <laughs> Yeah, you could, uh, knowing that, then you see the lyrics are very un, uh, David L- Lee Roth like. <laughs> I was just thinking that, yeah. <laughs> um, all right, so this next one, uh, Girl Gone Bad, uh, really hot music in it. Now, uh, are you a, a Bad Brains fan at all the bands? I love that, Bad things, Brains, yeah. Okay, so oh, yeah. we did a Bad Brains episode, Eye Against Eye. And Barry was talking about how the influence at that time in the 80s, like Van Halen's production, like influenced everyone, you know, like all different kind of bands. They were just influenced by that. And when I'm listening to this one now, without David, I'm picturing HR singing instead of David Lee Roth. And it sounds like it could be a Bad Brain song, like off of quickness. Imagine if
1: if HR replaced Roth instead
0: of Sammy. Yeah. Oh my God. (laughs) <laughs> how much? How much would you pay to see that? How much would you oh go my God! That'd be incredible. incredible. It would also end in. Uh, in it would end badly too. Sure. Very badly. Yeah, yeah, of course it would. Uh, all right, let's listen to Girl Gone that Doctor No, I believe, was a fan of Eddie Van Halen, and and any any like hot shit guitar player at the time ha- had to admire, you know, Eddie Van Halen, and and, and oh, just yeah. what he did, uh, uh, not not just with his playing, but uh, tone with, with his tone and everything, which was different, so different than other metal, you know. Uh, uh, yeah, guitarists.
1: the thing is, like, I mean, Eddie inspired so many people, but nobody sounds like Eddie like I can't think of anybody who right you know has that tone and like melodic choices and stuff
0: yeah, um, yeah. what did he called it the uh, brown sound. sound yeah that's right
1: <laughs> but yeah you're right those those like the the runs where the drums are doubling the guitar is so bad brains wow Yeah, exactly
0: right yeah that's what I was thinking of when I heard that it's great I, I, I love stuff like that when you sort of put together like two completely different bands though but that you could see that they sort of there's connections there Yes. All right, so we got the final song on the record, House of Pain. They're, I would say maybe this is the best lyrics on the whole, uh, on the whole album because they kind of, I mean, they uh, say you're going to leave me because I only tie you up. I always loved you tender, but you only like it rough. Well, I don't know. I guess it's <laughs> 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 now that I'm looking at it again, maybe, uh, I don't know, but, uh, but it's still, it, it's, a, it's a great album closer. And also, I appreciate this album that it's, that it's short. Because that that was the thing. Van Halen (laughs) would struggle sometimes to fill up a record. But rather than just put like a filler, a bullshit filler, I appreciate the fact that they just had really solid songs on there. And that's that's fine. Nine songs, that's great. Oh, yeah, perfect. (laughs) Exactly, perfect. All right, let's listen to House of Pain.
1: To how um, the uh, rap band House of Pain, <laughs> had yeah, that's a song right, and jump around, that's, <laughs> that's right,
0: right. and yeah, <laughs> All right, so Ugh, oh, the Ballad of Buttered Cake Ass. You're, um, you're really going out there uh, promoting this book, which is great. I see you're, uh, you're actually getting out there, which is great.
1: Yeah, I've been loving doing. The, I did a little tour.
0: I've got a bunch of more shows lined up. Little weekend jaunts. It's been a lot of fun. So you're i mean you've written you're a writer but this I, i'm i'm telling you i'm not blowing smoke up your ass it's really well written and obviously i'm thinking and i think he's mentioned in there too thomas uh, pinchon Yep, you're a fan. So it's like Love Thomas. It's, it's like if Thomas Pinchon was going to write a book about this uh, crazy, these crazy kids and this crazy band or something like that, which is great, you know. Wow, thank you. Wow. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, it's just I I, I really enjoy it. Uh, I'm I'm really enjoying it, and it's very it's like a bonkers, you know. But but in a good way. Playing music kind of is. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Van Halen certainly were. <laughs> they were. Yeah. They really were. And uh, yeah, so like I said, I, when you first said uh, that's what you're going to talk about, I'm like, oh, what? Yeah, but uh, no, it, it, it all made sense. Once I started reading your book, it all made sense. And hey, you know, great stuff is great stuff. A great album. And that is a that's a classic album. Even the cover. We didn't talk about the cover, but that cover is great. I love that cover with the kid with the cigarettes. Yep. <laughs> Which I guess I read originally they didn't they, they hid the cigarettes so they covered it at first. Oh really? Yeah, yeah. Um, that would make sense so
1: in a like, sort of responsible they... way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> then they, they, they well, we're not
0: promoting little kids smoking, I guess. So it's yeah. okay. <laughs> um. All right. So, uh, where's the best? Where do you? Where's the best place for people to go if you want them to get your book? Where do you want to send them to? Uh,
1: bookshop.org has all my books, um, and or you know your local record store or bookshop, whoosh good. I mean, it's, it's in, like, about 80 stores worldwide right now. Oh, nice. I'm trying to add more every day. And, you know, they should be able to order it for you, too, if you want to support local businesses.
0: Yeah, that's good. All right, so try first, yeah, to get in a bookstore, record store. But if not, then you can go to bookshop.org. Yeah,
1: I mean, it's on that's the other big ones as well, that I like to support the indie guys.
0: Yeah. All right, and don't forget, uh, you can follow me, my sick self, on Instagram. Oh, man, I just. Uh, <laughs> Are you feeling it again? I, I I am, I guess. I don't know. And it sounds like I have this, like, a smoker's cough now. I've never smoked in my life, but I have, like, this smoker's cough now. I don't know just talking
1: on. about the album cover. Yeah,
0: I guess so. <laughs> uh, on Instagram and Facebook, it's at that record got me high. Also, that Facebook group got me high. It's a lot of fun. On Twitter, it's at TRGMH Podcast. You can email me at TRGMH33 at gmail.com. Most importantly, if you want to become a patron of the show, go to patreon.com forward slash TRGMH. Become a patron of the show. Ugh, This was really great. It was really fun. I'm really enjoying your book. I hope people check it out. I, I think anyone, uh, 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 like I said, people who love her crazy record collectors, which I know a lot of listeners of the show are. I'm not. That's not my thing. But oh. I, I really appreciate the whole band vibe thing, this this crazy band and, and just the interaction between the band members. It's just great. It's really great. Oh, thanks
1: really. very much. am glad you're digging
0: it. Yeah. yeah, so thanks for being on the and, show. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right, thanks, everyone. We'll see you next week, God willing. If, uh... <laughs> All right, I'm Rob Elba. We're out of here. But can't
2: you see me here? i like her like back it. against the record machine. <laughs> I ain't the worst at you.